back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Battle podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. It is a beautiful Thursday afternoon here in Melbourne. I hope it's a beautiful day, evening, night, whatever, wherever it is, wherever you are. I hope you're having a beautiful time, dear listener. Um, so, round 15, first time in a decade that the AFL has had a round where every single top eight team is playing another top eight team. And can I be perfectly honest with you? I kind of thought it was a little bit disappointing. I'll get straight into my top two lowlights and then I'll do my top two highlights. Let's shake it up a little bit. Um, but before I get on to the results, let me just say the number one lowlight is the entire situation with Tom Stewart and Dion Prestia. It is awful to see any player, no matter who they play for, no matter who you support, I'm sure you agree, it is terrible to see a player get knocked out cold, get concussed. It's awful, especially after everything that we've started to learn about CTE and brain damage and how that impacts players' health long-term. It's devastating whenever you see a player have to be taken out of the game um, and my thoughts are with Dion Prestia and I hope that he can recover fully and I hope that there's not going to be long-term health implications um, because of that hit. Now, the biggest negative, I don't think it's actually the hit itself. I think it is, without a doubt, the umpires not pausing the game. How can you have a player that's down, you have the club medical staff around them and the ball's flying over their head and you don't stop the game. Now, my understanding is that Richmond's come out and said that they acknowledged that they could have done it better. But nevertheless, it is despicable. How on earth can an umpire look at a player on the ground, look at how close the ball was. It wasn't like the ball was 50 metres away from them. It was right there. What if Dion Prestia had gotten hit with the footy while he was on the ground? Or what if, I don't know, players while they were scrums, yeah, scrambling around for the football bumped into him? It could have been a lot worse, an injury for him, had that happened. It is disgusting that the umpires allowed that situation to happen, and it is a terrible, terrible look for the game. Now, um, According to an AFL journalist, the um, AFL has come out and said that they uh, basically they're okay with what happened because the umpires associated basically said that there was no pause in the game, as my understanding of it. If that is the case, if that's what the AFL said, that is ridiculous. And the AFL should be ashamed of themselves for holding that viewpoint absolutely shocking situation and to all the people who comment things like oh come on back in the day you know used to get hit in the head and coach would tell us to go out and continue playing that is stupid 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 mentality and you should be ashamed of yourself for having that mentality purely because we now know more about the science behind head injuries and the long-term implications of them. And we know that people are dying as a result of 
um, of uh, of head hits in in sports. It's not just AFL; it's everywhere. And so, yeah, it's it's exceptionally disappointing that entire situation and thoughts are with Dion Prestia and his family at this time. My second low light. Where do I begin? I could have gone with Essendon losing to West Coast. Essendon probably lucky the fact that I won't chew them out this week because they definitely deserve to be chewed out. Could have gone with Brisbane. What a shocking situation. What a shocking game. To come up against your main rival, really, for the flag. I predicted Melbourne v Brisbane in the grand final. That could still very well happen. I know a lot of other people picked Melbourne versus Brisbane in the grand final. This is your first time at the MCG in two and a bit years. This is your chance to stamp your authority on a game of football and to say to the AFL, yes, we deserve to be taken seriously. And you come out and you kick highest scoring team in the league, you only kick 53 points. Your defense is leaking like a faucet that's broken. Once again, conceding over 100 points. It was meek. It was meek. And now I think there are serious questions about whether or not Brisbane can even finish inside the top four, let alone win the premiership. Or is it North Melbourne? Once again, another shocking, shocking, shocking performance. I think it was David King who mentioned that in the last 10 games, North Melbourne has had their best result be a 47-point loss. This is like historically bad territory for football, for football club. Excuse me. <coughs> still dealing with COVID, dear listeners. Still dealing with COVID. This is the worst situation that a club has found themselves in on field since Fitzroy's dying days. That's how historic it's been. And since, think about how many bad seasons we've seen from clubs since the end of Fitzroy, right? We had Essendon in 2016 with the uh, drug saga. Carlton has had numerous bad seasons since then. Gold Coast and Greater Western Sydney in their early years from about 2011 to 2013, 2014, they were terrible. Think about all those bad seasons, all those terrible teams that we've seen. And I reckon North Melbourne in 2022 are the worst team to grace an AFL season or like disgrace, more like it, not grace an AFL season, disgrace an AFL season with their presence, with their mere being here. They honestly, it's such a terrible look for the competition. But nevertheless, the worst team the worst season we have seen since the end of Fitzroy. And I reckon until Tasmania gets a team, the drums of discontent are only going to get louder and louder and louder. So I could talk about that, but instead I'm just going to talk about what a letdown the round of football was. Let's be real. It was shaping up like one of the greatest rounds of home and away football ever. That was the the whole kind of talk around it. It's going to be the greatest round of football we've ever seen. Look at all these great matchups. Super Saturday, I called it on the podcast last week. And I said, Sunday, 
some sneaky good matches. And in reality, we got two, maybe three good games. West Coast Essendon, that was a good, unexpectedly high-scoring game. The controversial Geelong-Richmond game. And Gold Coast Port Adelaide putting in what I think was actually the game of the round. Phenomenal, phenomenal game of football that was. Um, but aside from that, it was just really disappointing. Carlton versus Fremantle was disappointing. Fremantle didn't show up. Melbourne versus Brisbane was really disappointing. The Lions didn't get on a plane. It was like they weren't, it was like they weren't even there. Yeah, just I expected better. St. Kilda, Sydney. Um, it was a pride game, but really after quarter time, that was all the Saints had to play for. Um, it was disgusting performance from St. Kilda. As for the highlights, though, I can't read the Swans this year. I really can't. And it's a problem that they've had really since last season where they beat really good teams and they struggled to beat the teams that they should beat. This year, what, they barely got past North Melbourne. They should have beaten Gold Coast. And now we know the Gold Coast Suns are really good, but at the time it was a big upset. They should have beaten the Suns. And they should have beaten Port Adelaide last week. And then they come out and they win by almost 10 goals against St. Kilda, a team that was just below them on the ladder at the start of the round. But nevertheless, it was a great win and it was a great night. As someone who is bisexual, I appreciate the amount of rainbows that I saw. It was great to see the rainbow arcs, the amount of queer people who were at the ground, um, the amount of the rainbow flags, the rainbow uh, uniforms. I loved all that. It was a great night. Um, and it's great to see football embrace queerness so much. The other one, it's got to be said, West Coast. Phenomenal effort. Congratulations. It's been a long time coming. Not since round 7, 2021, have the Eagles kicked over 100 points in a game. Let that sink in for a second. Not since round 7, 2021. Round 7, 2021, they beat the Dockers for the upteenth time in a row. I think it was 11th or 12th time in a row. They demolished them. There were zero people at the ground because the WA government, the day of the game, said, nope. People can't go to the games. You remember back when governments used to say just before football games that people can't go because of COVID situations? Do you remember that? Simpler times back then, simpler times. But in front of zero people, they crushed them by almost 10 goals. And I remember thinking at that time, man, Fremantle's never going to beat them. After that game, the Eagles were eighth. The Bombers were 15th. And it was looking like the Eagles would once again play finals football and the Bombers would finish in the bottom four, just like everyone predicted. And then the last two-thirds of the season happened. Eagles finished just outside the top eight, Essendon make the top eight. And since then, both teams have been absolutely abhorrent. Josh Kennedy, I don't know where he and David Mundy keep the fountain of youth. But whatever, whatever potions they take to stay as young as they play, I want to have it. And I think it's extremely shellfish, selfish, excuse me, <laughs> extremely selfish that they don't 
share it with everyone. So for me, biggest talking point of the round, obviously Tom Stewart talked about it earlier. Interesting Cancorns brought up an intriguing idea the day after the game, which was for the AFL to have a send-off rule. Now, the reason why that is is because the Tigers were basically playing with one less player on available for them for the rest of the game. Tom Stewart, the guy who hit Dion Prestia, had the best game I've ever seen him have, and he was easily the best player on the ground, and he probably won it for the Cats in the end. The only problem I have with the send-off rule is that with how great the other rules are in the game, that should be very easy, but yet there seems to be a thousand different interpretations of them. What is in the back? What is holding the ball? What is, what is a high tackle? What is all this, right? If we can't get a consistent definition of what, you know, umpire descent is. Is arms out 50 meters or is it not? You know, can players yell at the umpires or can they not? If we can't get a consistent definition on the rules that we already have, how are we going to know what is a send-off and what is not a send-off? My other question is, with that, we know that the AFL loves to base the decisions in terms of players getting suspended or not and how long for offer the result offer the injury the question is is it going to be the same with send-offs right if somebody hits someone high but they continue playing is that not a send-off but that same kind of bump that does knock out a player is that a send-off just because the player got knocked out? There are so many questions that the AFL, if they are going to bring this in, you're going to have to figure out. Additionally, is it a send-off for the rest of the game, for the rest of the quarter, for the rest of the half? Is it a send-off for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes? Is it a situation like they do in some leagues where if it's a red card, they get sent off? The team that the player who got sent off plays for can't interchange them with another player. So it's actually the team that the offending player plays for that is disadvantaged, not the other team with the injured player. And if so how long for? Is it for five minutes? Is it for 10 minutes for the rest of the quarter? Are you going to bring a situation like you have yellow cards? Certain amount of yellow cards in a certain period of time, like you get two yellow cards in a game that automatically equals a red card and you get sent off. I think it's an intriguing idea and one we should think about because the entire situation of a player knocking another player out and then going on to win that game for their team is kind of ludicrous to me. And I think it is colossally unfair on the opposition. As for Tom Stewart getting four weeks, see a lot of cat supporters accept that that's a fair call. And I think it is a fair call. I actually kind of think that Tom Stewart is a little bit lucky though. Truth be told, I would have been okay with him getting five or six weeks for that. 
Now, I see some people saying, oh, Bailey Smith, you only got two weeks for doing illicit substance abuse or whatever. Well, not abuse, but, you know, using illicit substance. Or, you know, Toby Green got six weeks for touching an umpire. And Tom Stewart only gets four weeks for knocking someone out. You know, how is that, how is that fair? You know, Tom Stewart should have gotten less, so he should have gotten more, et cetera, et cetera. Here's my opinion, right? Anyone who purposely bumps into an umpire or touches an umpire, right? Umpires should be no-touch zones. They should be allowed to umpire the game without the fear of being physically intimidated, whether on purpose or accident. They shouldn't have to worry about that. So I think Toby Green getting six weeks, probably a little bit on the lucky side, actually, considering how many other offenses he had. I think in terms of Bailey Smith's punishment, his punishment getting, you know, his that dark, horrible secret that he had exposed to the wider public and that kind of impacting his reputation is probably damage enough. Couple of games suspension is probably fair for him. Um, as for Tom Stewart, I think four weeks it, it was the minimum. It was the minimum what the Cats could have done. Um, truth be told, had they, I don't know, had they given him three weeks, I think there would have been a lot of people rightly upset at that. But the AFL, I think, possibly has missed an opportunity to truly say that, you know, this kind of action is not good enough. I get it if it's in the play and, you know, two players are going for the ball and one of them bumps the other one and accidentally gets them high, right? Yeah, it's terrible that it happens, but that's that's in the play of the action, right? That's a football, it's a football, it's a football action, it's a football play. Sometimes that happens. But to have a player run past the ball and bump like that, the ball's away. It's not in play anymore. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just a terrible situation, as I mentioned before. And I feel really, really sorry for Dion Prestia. The question I think is next, kind of the next most interesting thing to consider you look at two Victorian clubs that have been starved for success for a long time, who now have young coaches, both in their second years of coaching their clubs, who are now really, really, really struggling. And there's a lot of pressure on them. And there is one person waiting in the wings, looking like he'll swoop on whatever coaching position becomes available. And that is North Melbourne, David Noble, and Essendon truck Alistair Clarkson in the wings waiting for someone to offer him a contract somewhere. Now, I'm not actually sure if Alistair Clarkson would want to coach again so soon, but with someone that competitive and who clearly loves football as much as Clarko does, I cannot imagine that he... Is, isn't at least thinking about it. And if he is thinking about it, I think North Melbourne and Essendon would both be negligent in their duty to not at least contact him 
propose the question, you know, are you interested in coaching again? Would you be interested in coaching Essendon or coaching North Melbourne? Now, the key is if either of these clubs go with Clarko, the thing is where the club's lists are at the moment, it's going to take a while to have that success. So are they willing to start with a new coach and not win a premiership within two or three years? Because the thing is, you don't want to get to a situation if you're an Essendon supporter like me or a North Melbourne supporter where you have 10 or more players not playing their hardest, not trying their hardest with Dover Noble or, or, or with Ben Rutten, get in Alistair Clarkson, and then three years from now, it's the same thing and everyone blames the coach. And then you start the whole process over again. Richmond did that in the 80s and the 90s. It got them almost, well, it almost got them into bankruptcy. Carlton did that for about 20 years before finally landing with Michael Voss. You can't do that, right? It takes time. And that's the one thing that I think is, as an Essendon supporter, I'm just conscious about the fact that Ben Rutten hasn't had a lot of time. Neither has David Noble, to be fair. So I'm not sure it's the best case scenario for them to get rid of their coaches just yet. But I reckon just put, just put, the, just put the call out, just gauge interest, and at least, you know, get that ball kind of rolling in case Clarko is still available in 2023 and he's still interested in coaching somewhere and North Melbourne and Essendon are still basket cases. In which case then I would then put the call out. Now, Collingwood, Gold Coast. They play each other this week. They played each other early in the year when the Suns were going in and Collingwood were doing pretty well. They are quite possibly the best teams. I'll call them within the eight, I think, at the moment. But nevertheless, they are, I think, two of the trickiest teams to play at the moment. Remember last year, they were really easy to play against for large portions of the season, especially Collingwood, because they just wouldn't score. And all of a sudden, Collingwood's a scoring machine. If it came down to it, Gold Coast versus Collingwood, who's going to be playing finals football? I would say at the moment, with how well Collingwood are doing, I would probably tip Collingwood. Now, they're not winning fancy. It's not beautiful football, right? But it's tough. It's uncompromising football. It is finals like footy that Collingwood are playing week in and week out. Now, the question is, they are a young team. Will that fade out? They have a very winnable stretch of games coming up, Collingwood. The Suns, it's a little bit trickier. They played Collingwood this week. They play Richmond next week. They had to beat Port Adelaide. Losing that game, I think, probably puts a nail in the coffin for the Gold Coast Suns. Unfortunately, I would have loved to see the Suns play finals football this year, but I've done the ladder predictor, and I have them finishing on 12 wins, which this year looks like it won't even get you ninth, let alone eighth, because it's that great of a year. Leading on to that, let's get into my predictions for round 16. Can you believe it? Round 16, it feels like it was just last week that the season started. The Dogs had the hopes of playing premiership winning football. 
Essendon was tipped by Mick Malthouse to win the Premiership. If anyone, if anyone is tipped by Mick Malthouse to win the Premiership, all I can say to you, and I mean no disrespect to Mick Malthouse for this, none whatsoever, obviously a football genius and obviously one of the greatest coaches of all time, won three premierships, took the dogs, they were a rabble in the 80s, nearly took them to the 1985 grand final, which would have been amazing considering they played the dominant Hawks in that prelim final and the Hawks were indestructible in the 80s, unless they were playing against Essendon, wink, wink. They took Collingwood off of their first, uh, second wooden spoon in history in 1999 to a grand final within three years, another grand final the year after that, and a premiership not too long after that. He took West Coast as a rabble in the late 80s, in, new to the competition, and turned them into a dominant force. I have the utmost respect for Mick Mulhouse. But if you are predicted to win the premiership by Mick Mulhouse, all I can say to you is good luck. You're going to need it. And Port Adelaide had hopes of finally claiming the flag. Ken Hinckley declared it before the season that this could be their year. And then they started 0-5. and five. The Bombers didn't get a win until round four. The Dogs look sluggish as all hell. Speaking of the Dogs, it starts tonight, round 16, not too far away. Brisbane versus the Western Bulldogs. What an unbelievable game of football it was last year. Bailey Smith kicking the match Sealer almost, and then Zach Bailey kicks a goal, and it was Vandermeer finally putting the dogs ahead, and the dogs held on in an unbelievable game of football that eliminated the Lions for the second time in three years in straight sets. Now, the dogs don't have Bailey Smith playing. They're struggling a bit against teams that are in the eight. Brisbane coming off a thumping loss against Melbourne will be licking their wounds Interesting enough, Mitch Robinson isn't playing. Now, if you don't know, Mitch Robinson has a YouTube channel where he vlogs his week. The vlog this week is going to be very, very interesting. I'm tipping Brisbane to win just because it is at the Gabba. The Lions rarely lose during the home and away season at the Gabba. The Dogs have injury and form problems. I think this will be a great game of football. Two teams that can put on a high score. Two teams that struggle to defend. I'm tipping Brisbane by 11 points. Now on to a Friday night game that about a month ago was looking like it could be one of the games of the year when both teams were sitting about eight and three. And it was looking like, oh, this could be a top four clash. Hell, this could be a top two clash. The Blues and the Saints at Marvel Stadium. Now the Saints have fallen off a cliff. They went from eight and three to now eight and six. Tough loss against Brisbane. Okay, he had a mountain of injuries. That's okay. And inexplicable hammering against Essendon. And then following that up with a performance, I should say a non-performance, against Sydney that reeked of 2021 St. Kilda football. You know, the season when they lost to the Dogs by 111 points, when they lost to Essendon by 75 points, et cetera, et cetera. Now, last year... When the Saints were doing decently well in the second half of the year, the Blues were still struggling. They played each other. I think it was on a Friday night from memory, and it was a massive upset. Carlton crushed them. Can the Saints deliver the revenge? I don't think so. Carlton seemed to be made of different stuff this year compared to years gone by. 
that win against Fremantle was the first time this year, and I know it's taken until round 15, but it's the first time this year that I've looked at Carlton and I've thought to myself, you know what? I can see them having a really big impact in September this year. The Saints, they're in a free fall, and it's not going to stop this week. I do think it's going to be a good game of football, though. Um, They'll come out breathing fire, get a couple of important players back, but Carlton to win by 16 points. Now, if last week was Super Saturday, this week, I think for the first three games, at least, will be kind of sluggish. Three games that should be extremely easy to tip. Not going to spend too much time talking about them. You've got Essendon versus the Sydney Swans at the MCG. Interestingly enough, MCG seems to be the go-to, uh, go-to ground for these two teams playing in recent years. Back in 2019, when they played at the MCG, was the first time those two teams had played at that ground in like 15 years or something. Essendon won going into 2021 at the MCG. The Swans hadn't beaten the Bombers since like, at, sorry, at the MCG since like the early 1920s, which is crazy to think about. And the Swans won, so they broke their nearly 100-year-old drought. Now, in years gone by, these two teams have played great games of football. Not this year. The Swans pulverized the Bombers. Lou Parker teased and poked fun at Dylan Shield. And now it's Lou Parker's 250th game. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Bombers go out for a little bit of retribution. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Bombers don't do that because the Bombers this year are weak as toilet paper. Now, I'm tipping the Swans to win by five goals. Could it be more than that? Absolutely. Will it be less than that? Probably not. I'll be surprised if the Bombers get closer than four or five goals. I really hope they do, though. I hope it's a good game of football. Adelaide versus Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval. Now, I know. Dear listener, I know, right? I had to go to the other side of the room to yell, I know, because I know that the Demons beat the Crows. uh, Sorry, other way around. The Crows beat the Demons last year at the Adelaide Oval. I get that, right? Big upset, controversial finish. Was it a rough deliver rush behind? Was it not? It probably was. The umpire didn't pay it. Tex Walker kicked the winning goal beforehand. And that great piece of commentary from Anthony Hudson, ring the bells, ring the bells in the city of churches. Legendary. Anthony Hudson, if you're listening to this, I love you. As a commentator, you are fantastic. But with that being said, that was when the Crows started the year really, really well, fell off a cliff. It's the same thing this time around. They started the year really, really well. They've fallen off a cliff a bit. Yeah, good win against North Melbourne, but you played North Melbourne. Whoop-de-doo. I could probably beat North Melbourne. And I am the least fit I have ever been. Seriously. I haven't done exercise in like three and a half weeks. And in my current state, I could beat North Melbourne, the entire team, in a game of football. Not actually playing football. Probably football on the Wii. You know, AFL Evolution. Probably. As for the... Crows versus Demons this time around. Crows are struggling against really good teams this year. I think Melbourne should win. They rediscovered a lot of form last week. Man, that was an awesome win. That was an awesome win. I don't think it would be quite as much as they beat Brisbane by. Wouldn't be surprised if it was. I'm tipping the Demons by about eight goals. And now it's Geelong versus North Melbourne. Tom Stewart isn't playing. The Cats could be missing. They could be without Dangerfield, Selwood, Hawkins, Cameron, Stewart, and I would still tip the Kangaroos to lose by about eight goals. 
considering they have most of those players in, I'm tipping the Cats by like 12 goals. It's going to be a crushing. If the Kangaroos get within 30 points, they should count that as a win and Geelong should absolutely count that as a loss. On to what I think could be the game of the round. Gold Coast versus Collingwood. Who would have thought that at the start of the year, a blockbuster between Gold Coast and Collingwood, two bottom four teams from last year, on the Gold Coast in round 16 of 2022. I love that. It's so unpredictable this season. Now, I know I said that Collingwood, they're on a high. They'll probably finish ahead of the Suns, and Collingwood will probably be uh, favorites to finish finals ahead of Gold Coast. But there's just something about the Suns, and there's just something about playing the Suns on the Gold Coast. If it was in Melbourne, I would tip Collingwood to win. But it's just it's in Queensland. The Pies are on such a hot streak, five in a row. I just wonder when that is going to stop. And I think it's going to stop on Saturday night. I'm tipping the Suns to win. Backs against the walls. Injuries mounting. They're going to pull off a great win, one of the best wins in their history. The Suns to beat the Magpies. Now on to Sunday. Starts off with what should be a very straightforward game. I'm sorry, West Coast fans, right? It's written in the West Coast at the MCG. I'm sorry, West Coast fans, but Kennedy's not going to kick five goals every single week. It's nice that Jack Darling has finally shown up this season, um, but he, I can't trust him to do that consistently in every single week, in and out. I'm tipping, even if that new is back, which I hope he is, I'm tipping the Tigers to win by about six or seven goals. Should be a very comfortable victory. The Eagles don't play the MCG very well. The Tigers are almost impossible to beat that the MCG. That's why, mostly. Now, on to GWS versus Hawthorne. Whoever loses is will probably be mathematically eliminated from the final series. This is an elimination final between two bottom six teams, and I love it. It's in Sydney. Now, before Mark McVeigh took over, I probably would have tipped Hawthorne to win and Hawthorne to win comfortably. But under Mark McVeigh, the Giants have been playing really good football. They've been demolishing teams below them and around them. And the teams that are far above them on the ladder, they've been pushing and pushing and pushing all the way. The Hawks, in the meantime, are struggling. They've fallen off a cliff a little bit. Would I be surprised if the Hawks beat the Giants? No. Hawthorne has the good recent record against them. One, two out of the last three. But the Giants under Mark McVay, I think, will be too strong for the Hawks. I'm tipping GWS by, say, 20 points. Now, Port Adelaide, they've had a great turnaround since that awful 0-5 start to the year. They're now 6-7, and seven, and they need to keep winning to keep that faint Finals flicker alive. The Dockers all of a sudden look vulnerable inside the top eight. They really, really, really needed to get that win against Carlton, and they were terrible. They were terrible. Yeah, sure, their defense held up enough, but it doesn't matter if you're conceding like 170 inside 50s, exaggerating, but only slightly, 170 inside 50s, eventually you're going to crack, and that's exactly what happened. It's in Perth. Dockers play better in Perth than they do outside of Perth. I don't trust Port Adelaide against some of the best teams in the competition, and I still think Fremantle are a top four team this year. Fremantle should win. They should win comfortably. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close game, but I am tipping the Dockers by 29 points. 
to get back on track. 29, just like Matthew Pavlich's number, they'll use the power of Pavlich to pelt the power with too many points, they'll win. As for the game of the round, oh, Gold Coast versus Collingwood, that's the game I'm most looking forward to. Um, potentially Brisbane versus Western Bulldogs tonight. That should be a good game of football. I hope that Essendon really challenge the Swans. If they do, we know how much the Swans struggle against teams below them on a ladder. That could be a sneaky contender for game of the round. As for the biggest blowout, could it be Richmond versus West Coast? Maybe. Could it be Melbourne versus Adelaide? Maybe. Could it be Sydney demolishing Essendon? Potentially. But I'm going with Geelong versus North Melbourne. I wouldn't be surprised if this is another 100-point loss for the Kangaroos. I'm really sorry to say North Melbourne fans, but at the same time, I'm kind of not. Is that too rude to finish off on? It is. I'm sorry. No, I do feel sorry for you guys, right? I get it. As an Essendon supporter, right, it sucks. The fact that our two teams have not been good for like 20 years or so, right? I get it. At least you guys have won finals recently. Dear listener, thank you for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Um, and thank you for listening to my rambling. If you have listened through all this episode, I don't know why you're still listening, but I greatly appreciate it. Nevertheless, I love you very much. Um, join me next week, maybe with a co-host, maybe not with a co-host, um, to review round 16. Whatever happens this round, it promises to be intriguing and potentially season-defining. Hopefully we get a better weekend than we did in round 15. Until then... Farewell.